Till I'm Tiptoed You Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Till I'm Tiptoed You y'all hey it's your girl tip thank you for joining me for another edition of tell them tip told you the podcast where i tell you all my musings about black history black culture and black spirituality you know let me tell you the underbelly of this podcast i recorded one last week i thought it wasn't good enough to post so i didn't post it i recorded one earlier this morning and you see i'm back recording now because i'm trying to up my game y'all give me credit for that somebody send me an email saying, good job. <laughs> I'm trying to up my game. But here's what I want to talk about today. I want to start with, you know, I always tell you history holds the key. So I'm going to tell you how I was feeling this week. And then I'm going to show you where I went in the history and what I learned from it. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to ask us, do we have allies or do we have accomplices? And then I want to talk about what I'm doing that I invite you along the journey with. Okay, so let's just jump right in. So, you know, this past week or so has been kind of rough for black women, <laughs> for, for black women who have a certain degree of love for other black women. This was a rough week. Um, you know, it was just a lot going on. And I, I'll say it was a little bit more than a week because for me, it started around the Monique um, posting of the woman, the the fat woman in the clothes and the bonnet in, in seemingly an airport or a bus station and then making jests about it. Let me say this about that situation. One, there are some fat phobic fat people. Okay? Fat phobia is not only unique to skinny people. Some fat people lose weight just so they can feel superior to other fat people. I'll also add this. I didn't hear not half as much out of Monique's mouth about January 6th as we did about bonnets. Every old person ain't your elder. That's all I'm going to say about that. But that that kind of set off a trend because then I saw all these um, black men and women supporting her stance. You can have your personal opinion. It's when you try to dictate respectability to other people, especially when that res- respectability is based in a historical context that you're not giving attention to. This ain't that. We can do that podcast another day. Y'all let me know if you want to hear that. But this ain't that. But that is what started to set me off, right? And then we got news of Bill Cosby being released on a technicality. Now, I'm a sexual assault survivor and I'm a black woman. I will say this. And I ain't trying to out nobody, but I don't know no black women without a Me Too story. Some of us have more, you know, more severe stories than others. But I don't know a black woman without a Me Too story. So... For him to get out on a technicality was already troubling, right? What was extra troubling to me was the number of black men and black women in celebration of it. I remember being at a conference and there was an elder on the panel. Well, the the panel was a bunch of elders. um, And I mean that in a a beautiful way, not in the old way, (laughs) Um, 
because just like I said, I almost, I'm going to keep saying this. Every old person ain't your elder. Okay. That, that, may, that might be the title of this podcast today. Every old person ain't your elder. Okay. But they, these were indeed elders. And I remember Baba Okoto, who was from the Nation House in D.C., um, beautiful black educationist, right? Um, lover of African people, lover of African culture um, and pedagogy and all that kind of good stuff. I remember him saying that we had to be careful that we did not turn into our oppressor. And let me tell you, the last week and a half has been troubling to me because I feel a slide towards that. Now, I curate my social media feeds pretty well, so I'm happy to say none of my, well, I won't say none, only one or two, maybe three or four of my direct links to people showed that troubling tendency and they immediately got deleted and blocked. But I can see other people's comments and posts and, and some of y'all's friends on y'all's comments, I'm getting better because I didn't go at them like I wanted to. But I see a slide where we're forgetting to be centered in ourselves, in our own culture. And it seems to me what we're trying to do is to take on the role of the oppressor, like Okoto warned us about. Here's what I mean. I heard older people say, I'm glad Cosby got out because look at all the white men they let out when they do X, Y, Z. Um, we're not trying to be like them. They are not our standard. If they have become your standard, we're in trouble. So that was the first thing that bothered me. If you're trying to say, uh, yeah, I know he did it and I feel sorry for these women. But, well, the but negates everything else. But then, you, then it's all about trying to approximate to what these white men are able to do. That ain't no justice in that. That was the second point that bothered me. Y'all don't, we already, most of us, some of the, the hypocrites I saw do this, most of us don't really agree that the justice system is a justice system. And then you had the nerve to be posting shit like justice was served. How does that work in your head? There's cognitive dissonance there, baby. That doesn't work. Either it's an unjust system or it's not. Stop trying to approximate to white men's standards. Okay, so that set me off. That set me off. And then Felicia Rashad, who normally I would call her mama Felicia, but now she, every old person ain't your elder. Felicia Rashad, a dean, is glad that the man got out. Now you can get mad at me. That's fine. I don't mind throwing hands. But I will say that she should lose her job. Now, normally, I'm not with that. I'm not with, you know, we make mistakes like everybody else. But here's why I say that in this case. I don't play about education. My fundamental, I was about to say job responsibility, but it's bigger than that. My fundamental spiritual responsibility to my students is to ensure their safety and well-being. I don't understand educators who don't think like that. And I damn sure don't think educators have to, should have to report to somebody who doesn't think like that. I'm just going to leave that there. But I will say she was not alone. There were a lot, a lot of black women who also felt this way. Now, some of them were just the, the run-of-the-mill pick-me's, you know, trying to get male attention through this self-sacrifice that they think is cute. Um, but there is a problem when we begin thinking that women are expendable. 
to preserve power or perceived power. Because let me say this about Bill Cosby. I don't know how many of you remember his speeches and his jokes, but he don't like working class black people. Some of y'all caping for him. He don't like. Anyway, this isn't about him. I wanted to get back to what I'm talking about. So I'm just saying all of that was rolling up on me. And then we got news of Shakari's um, ban being, you know, suspended from the, the, the 100 meter race in, the, in Tokyo. And it just all and the response black men and black women were giving to that. It all hit me. And, and so the last week and a half have been kind of rough. Right. I've gotten thrown off my game. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But you should see my room right now. Some deadlines got missed. I, I mean, I'm just I'm, I wasn't my full self. OK, now I have told you before and now I want to show you an example of what I mean by it. I truly believe that when we are feeling the way I was feeling last week, collectively and individually, it's important to turn to the history. Our ancestors left things behind for us. Right. It's, it's that song. You remember the song? Um, Is my living in vain? Right. Some of our ancestors weren't just living, y'all. They were being very purposeful in what they left behind. I'm going to say that again. Some of our ancestors weren't just living. They were purposeful in what they left behind. I'm going to use myself as an example. Hundreds of years from now, when, when my family looks back, there will be elements of my life that were will be purposefully left behind. I journaled the first 90 days of COVID every day about COVID so that hundreds of years from now, there is a record of what Black people who loved Black people were facing in those moments. I was intentional about that. I'm intentional about the readings I have for my students right now because I want them to have a certain degree of knowledge. And years from now, they can say, Pogue taught me that. Right. So some some of our ancestors lived the same kind of lives. They purposefully left things behind for we, their children. And when we feel lost, when we feel discouraged, when we feel stuck, when we feel unloved in particular, which is a little bit of what I was feeling, we can turn to the history because it's one generations of love went into making you. But also two, y'all. They left things for you, and that's love. So I wanted to say that. So I turned to the history, and here's what I learned from the history. I looked at Anna Julia Cooper's quote. Now, some people kind of take part of the quote out. Even when you take part of the quote out, it's a powerful quote. But for this in particular, I think it's important we listen to the whole statement. So I'm going to read it a couple of times through, and then I'm going to tell you what I walked away with. When and where I enter in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my womanhood without suing or special patronage, then and there, the whole Negro race enters with me. All right. That's the, that's the quote that's pulling me back from that feeling last week. I'm going to read it again for you. When and where I enter in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my womanhood without suing or special patronage, then and there, the whole Negro race enters with me. All right. 
So when I tell you history holds the keys, let me let me show you how I used that quote to speak to the last week and a half or so. Okay. So Cooper writes, when and where I enter in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my womanhood. She doesn't say of womanhood. She says of my womanhood. She's speaking as a black woman now, right? When people like Monique push their respectability politics onto us, what they're really saying is we need to approximate to someone else's vision for what is appropriate professional attire. See, bonnets are cultural. You don't really see white folk in bonnets. You don't see Asian folks in bonnets. You don't see native people in bonnets. That is really a, a black thing. All right. And what she's what Cooper is saying is when I can enter in my own womanhood and carry it with dignity. See, the fact that some of these older, every elder, ain't you old? You know, I'm sorry, every old person ain't your elder. When we see these old people saying, oh, she's not, look at her. She don't care nothing about herself. Look at her. She's making all of us look bad. What they're doing is saying that you can't have dignity based on your own womanhood. Your womanhood is not dictated by what you wear on your head. See, there is a, mm, when people say professional attire, we, we really need to critique that question and say, who, by whose cultural standards? And we also need to recognize that every profession has its own professional attire. If I go into um, a mechanic shop and the mechanic is looking under the hood of my car in a three-piece suit, he's not dressed professionally. If a teacher is teaching pre-K students and they're having art and he or she has on formal attire, they're not dressed professionally. That ain't even hitting the cultural piece. And why the hell I got to be professional when I'm traveling anyway? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, oh. I, 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 but, but Mama Anna Julia Cooper reminded me. It's about my womanhood, how I define these things for myself, and not about how they approximate to whiteness, but how they make me feel. How they serve my needs. Now, when I'm traveling, remember, a bonnet largely is a protective style. When I'm traveling, I ain't trying. See, there is something beautiful about women who don't feel the need to impress the people around them. They know what they want to protect and for whom. Maybe I don't want to protect my hair for you, Monique. Maybe I want to protect it on this plane so the person I'm going to see sees a fresh do. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's about my womanhood. Let me keep going. I'll remind you that we just celebrated the Crown Act. Let me read the next part of Anna Julia Cooper's quote. When, uh, you know, the undisputed dignity of my womanhood without suing the crown act the fact that we had we have to have an act to allow us to wear our hair as it grows from our heads see we can't be free yet mama anna julia cooper is reminding us we can't be free yet 
because we're not walking in our own womanhood. And two, we having to sue to walk in our womanhood. How my hair grows from my head. Now that relates to some other stuff with the Olympics. We're going to come back to that. Okay. But notice that the history holds the keys for how to situate myself in response to these things that are happening. This one little quote, I don't even have to know Anna Julia Cooper's whole bibliography. I don't have to know everything about her life. This one little quote walked me through a week and a half. This is why studying history is so important and paying attention to what your ancestors left for you. All right, let's go to the next part. Without suing or special patronage. Now let's look at the Shakari situation. I was so irritated with black people saying, oh, all she had to do was follow the rules. You know you can't smoke. Just follow the rules. Let me take you back to Baba Okoto's warning. Don't become your oppressor. That sounded a whole hell of a lot like... If George Floyd didn't have, do you understand what I'm saying to you? That sounds like that all lives matter. All he had to do was do what they told him to do and he wouldn't have gotten killed. That's what that sounds like. You're so busy critiquing the black person because I would argue you're a coward and you feel safer critiquing blackness than, than systematic racism. Okay, I'm just going to put that there. The fact that you don't understand, I don't understand, see, this is where I get confused, right? I don't understand black people who know, or maybe you don't know, how laws and policies have been used to subordinate your people are still telling black people to comply with laws and policies that are used to subordinate your people. How does that work? How does that work? I, I, listen. I want you to do some research on when marijuana was outlawed and why. Because it has nothing to do with performance enhancement. And it almost always, always, always has to do with race. I saw a lot of y'all coons out here talking about that situation wasn't racial. Your dumb ass should have kept your mouth shut because you're loud and wrong. The problem is in schools... We're socialized to believe that racism is an individual act perpetuated by an unkind, unlikable, mean person. When racism almost never bears its ugliest face in those situations. Racism is about the systematic use of power to subordinate one group or some groups of people while privileging and allowing for domination among other groups of people. That's what racism is. You can't look at Shakari's situation divorced from what else is happening and the historical legacy of criminalizing marijuana usage. Who has it historically affected the most? That's no mistake. You're not paying attention. And you have to view these things in context. So let me let me give you some more context in case you don't know. Now, I'm sure most of my followers already know this, so I'm preaching to the choir. But let me also say there were five women, one, two, three, four, five women who have also been banned from this particular games because they have, quote, unquote, higher rates of testosterone in their bodies. 
Do y'all understand how problematic that is? Do, do, uh, do you understand how problematic that is? These are women, born women, who have higher rates of testosterone in their body. So it's not even about the transgender, what sports do you get to play? It's not even that. This is, you came out your mama's vagina with a vagina. <laughs> and they're saying you have too much testosterone to compete against other women. Y'all don't see how that's race? Let me tell you something. Anybody who's ever taken a human growth and development class, you probably already know this. When black babies are born, they tend to perform better, higher, if you want to use that word, on developmental charts in terms of reflexes, um, head control, neck strength, all that kind of stuff, right? They're born with physical differences. Now, I'm not making a case for race being a biological construct, but what I am saying is humans are different. And historically, there has been a myth around pathologizing blackness, not a myth, but there has been a history of pathologizing black womanness because they want to call us too masculine. Y'all don't see how this is race playing into this? Michael Phelps has an issue. I can't remember whether he produces more of something or less of something than other people. And this is why he doesn't get as tired and, and why some people are saying that's why he's been able to break records and win as often as he has. There has never been a discussion about disqualifying him because of that physical benefit that he has. But here are five black women. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we're, we're adding that to the Shakari situation. Let's add it to another one. Do y'all know, what? what's the sister's last name? Brianna, hold on, I got it. Brianna McNeil. Brianna McNeil has been put out not only this Olympics, but her, her suspension period is so long that she won't make the other one either, which essentially to an athlete is saying you can't compete. Brianna McNeil, I want y'all to Google that case. Our sister had an abortion. She was in bed the next day and they popped up on her to do a drug test. So she missed it. And in filling out the paperwork, she put down the wrong date. Now they're saying that it was a manipulation of a drug report. And now she can't compete. If you don't see these things as having a pattern. Oh, I'm not finished. Soul caps. Did you hear about soul caps? These are the swimming caps the black women are using that accommodate our hair texture and the thickness of our hair, and they've been banned. Now, let me say, this is where the race becomes a completely just, it ain't even under the table no more. It should be very obvious at this point because it's bigger and it doesn't, it doesn't stick to the head, right? Which is one of the complaints they made. It doesn't form to the head. Um, it, that would increase drag and it actually would make you slower. It's not performance enhancing. So why would it be banned? Why would it be banned? Except that you don't, okay, the wording they used was elite swimmers. Who is elite by whose standards? And we're going to talk about Simone Biles where they won't even score her to the best of her ability because they don't want, they want to keep other people from trying such a quote unquote dangerous move. It ain't dangerous to her. Okay. Now, do you see how all of that together has to be viewed in a specific context to see the racism in it? Don't listen, black people, do me a favor. If you are not, and it's okay if you're not, I listen, 
if a brain surgeon tells me not to operate on somebody's brain because I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not going to be offended by that. If a mechanic tells me not go out here and try to fix my own brakes, I'm not going to be offended by that. Let me say something to you as someone who studies race and culture professionally. Don't y'all be out here telling white people, no, that's not race. You're right. That's not racist. You don't know. You don't know. You're loud and wrong. Look at things in the entire context of them. And if you feel uncomfortable, just say, I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like racism to me, but there are people who study this and they say, you can say it like that, but don't be out here being the authority and being loud and wrong too. Okay. So I wanted to move to how, what, what Mama Anna Julia Cooper's quote means to me as a whole. When and where I enter in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my, I stand on my own two feet like Shakari did, that they were pissed about. That's really what they pissed about. This, this young girl said, don't play with me with her acrylics and her orange hair and her beyond human strength. That's what she said to them. They had them popping them tests. You understand what I mean to you? There is something about standing in the dignity of your own womanhood. All right. Without suing or special pay. When, it, when the day comes where we don't have to have a crown act. When the day comes where you don't have to have special laws to keep me from shining in all my brilliance. When I'm able to enter then into freedom. Then the whole Negro race enters in with me. You see how Anna Julia Cooper gets us straight? Don't get it twisted. You ain't free yet. Some of y'all out here judging Shakari. Some of y'all out here applauding Bill. Because you ain't free. You think you are. You ain't free. I saw an interview one time between Naeem, Naeem Akbar and um, Asa Hilliard. And Naeem Akbar said, we have confused proximity to power. You ain't got no power just because you work with them. You ain't got no power because you the only black family in this neighborhood. You ain't got no power because you drive a Tesla. You ain't got this power. Whatever power that makes you think you can judge other black people. Okay. All right. And now I'm, let's, I'm going to come off y'all for a minute. Let me just say this. Some of y'all calling yourselves, I, I don't want no ally. Let me just say it like, I don't want an ally. See, an ally doesn't necessarily suffer the same consequences of the people they see themselves in allyship to. You can walk away at any moment as an ally. I can decide I'm no longer your ally and an accomplice. You got the same set of consequences I got, baby. I want accomplices only. When I tell you what happened to Brianna McNeil a day after having an abortion, every pro-choice activist, all, all these white women that had on them pink hats talking about women's rights and autonomy over their body. I ain't heard none of them say a mumbling word about this girl's case. Okay, now let me get to the final point. And I'm going to take us from Anna Julia Cooper into Toni Morrison. Again, I think history holds the keys. Toni Morrison in an interview said racism is a distraction. So while me and my friends, I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. And, and I said, you know what? We have spent a lot of time on the phone complaining about whether or not black athletes need to boycott, whether or not black people need to not watch I'll also throw in this point. This is a side note. Put a pen in what I was. Bes- Let me say this. We are in the middle of a, a Panera bread, a pandemonium, if you will, a panini press, 
is still going on. They not only is the Delta variant on the raise, now they're talking about there is a Delta Plus, and y'all still want to have these games. If you don't see capitalism undergirding all of this, you're blind. Okay? Now, that's that's let me take it off back. Unpause. This is what I'm saying. Racism is a distraction. So while he and I were having these debates about whether or not athletes should participate, this and this and this, why are we not planning alternatives? See, when we are, this is the analogy I used with him. If you stand in front of a brick wall and yell at it, reason with it, present good arguments about why it should no longer be a a wall, you the fool. A wall is a wall and it doesn't have to change because you want it to. Some of us are arguing about these spaces. This is where I am professionally right now. Y'all know I love public education, but a wall is a wall. And the, more, the time I spend arguing with this wall about being a wall is time I'm not spending developing an alternative to the wall. When and where I enter that space in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my self-determined, self-defined womanhood, without having the need to sue or to ask you for anything, then and there the whole black race enters in with me. And I would argue black women have proven time and time again, it ain't just the black folks that we'll save. It's the whole damn world. But first we save ourselves. So this is what I was going to say to you. Like I said, the last week and a half, you should see my room. I got laundry everywhere. Oh my God. Paper cups. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I have to reset. I don't mind taking y'all on this reset journey with me. So later today, I'm going to be posting a link on the website. I'll also put it on my Instagram. Um, www.tellemtiptoldyou.com is the website. At Tiffany D. PhD is the Instagram. Um, I'll put a link and then we'll do a seven day reset together. No charge. Just sign up so I can make sure I send you the emails every morning. And we'll do the reset together because black women in particular, when we get it right, everybody gets it right. But we're going to save ourselves first. We're going to save ourselves first. All right. Thank y'all for listening. Share this with a sister who might need it. Do me a favor and leave it a five-star review. And we'll talk again later. Make it a good one, y'all. Tell them to tell you.